Hey friends, welcome back to you Pretend World Drill People. As always, I'm Tyler, and quick recap for you for Tyler's self. Felt fine Monday afternoon uh, from the smoke I had ingested, uh, what was it, the weekend before for a beer event, but then had a couple gigs, uh, had to work a little bit Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it started feeling like crap, and then Friday took a test. I now have COVID. Took two and a half years, but it finally got me. Luckily, I'm vaxxed, I'm boosted. It's really just like a really bad cold. But uh, yeah, I spent this entire weekend off working on stuff for the podcast, doing stuff around the house, did some self-tapes with this voice, which we'll see if that gets me anywhere because I thought that was pretty hilarious to do. And uh, yeah, just mentally trying to navigate what to do with every, with the thing that was just uh, over uh, overthrown here in the U.S. So I will say really quick, if you have the means, please donate to these reproductive uh, healthcare organizations, including Planned Parenthood, because holy shit, we're, uh, we're insanely pissed. We're shocked. I'm completely flabbergasted that a progressive, quote unquote, government just set us back 50 years. So uh, please just donate what you can to those organizations and let's get as much help as we can. So um, I'll move away from that because we don't talk politics in the show, but you know, if, if it's something like this, we, we have to say something. Uh, there's no easy segue outside of... Uh, oh, here's a good segue. Um, how much does a polar bear weigh? Alrighty, so this week's guest is the amazing Kelsey Edwards. She's an LA-based actress, musician, and content creator who grew up acting. Uh, later in her teens, she put that on the back burner, went to college, and then eventually joined corporate America. But years in, realized it wasn't for her, so she decided to leave that behind and then re-pursue and reinvigorate her passion for acting and the arts industry. So she moved to Los Angeles, and now she also creates content for young teens and teenagers as the uh, the internet big sis. She wants to give them advice as they go through these years of trials and tribulations to, to make it a little bit easier for them, because as many of you know who are in your late teens or early 30s, we didn't have a whole lot of that. I think we had like MTV, and at that point, it was not not trustworthy for advice whatsoever. Uh, so that's just really cool that she's giving back to a community, especially one that is, I mean, I don't know about you, but my teenagers sucked. So <laughs> giving somebody sage advice uh, from a very genuine and humble place is just wonderful. So she was great to talk to. It was wonderful hearing her story. I can't wait to see what she does next. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have her back on the show. So without further ado, let's introduce Ms. Kelsey Edwards. Hi everyone, thanks for having me today. Um, I, my name is Kelsey Edwards, I'm an actress, I'm a singer-songwriter, and I'm a content creator. So pretty much all things entertainment and storytelling is in my wheelhouse, I guess. <laughs> And you're hitting the trifecta, so I, I have to ask, what what came first? Oh gosh, uh, great question. I would say <laughs> probably acting. Acting probably came first. First, acting and music. When I was a kid, my mom would like put me in these talent shows and make me sing these little songs that she would rewrite for me. Like um, like we did like Sound of Music. She would take like I am sixteen going on seventeen, and she rewrote it to me for me to be like I am six years going on seven. So I, I started singing and acting, you know, simultaneously when I was about five. So I guess, yeah, that's the, the answer to your question is kind of hard to 
differentiate with acting yeah. and singing together, I guess. <laughs> oh, so I, I guess I won't assume, but I would uh, guess that maybe your your mom is also, you know, somewhat artistic or performative. Yeah, my mom was really into theater. And, and so she kind of like wanted to get us into theater at a young age. So I started doing musicals and things when I was five. And then like would do these like little talent shows and like modeling, runway modeling as a kid. <laughs> it's just so funny to think about now. But, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I'm really grateful. My mom started me acting and started me doing music and being on stage and performing like at a very young age, which I have her to thank for, you know, the fact that I'm so passionate about it today. So Yeah. And the fact that you haven't rebelled by, I don't know, trying to win Wimbledon or something like going against that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. that's so awesome so I guess I want to you know starting with that rewind a little bit and just see you know you're going into all these different sort of stage-based projects and performances was there a moment where this just sort of clicked for you did you feel like you were always meant to do it or was it something that you were kind of apprehensive but then at a certain moment say (laughs) at seven or eight boom like this is what I want to do yeah, I mean, yes and no. I think when I, I, I did my first movie when I was seven and it was the first time I ever had a trailer. <laughs> and our like seven-year-old Kelsey was like, wow, this is so cool. Um, and I think like that moment was like, oh wow, this is like, you know, I was like seven, but like what seven-year-old is not gonna be blown away by that and be like, I wanna do this forever. Um, <laughs> so I think that was like initially when I fell in love with acting probably and then being on stage and stuff. But then I had I had another decision I had to make. I had to have that moment again as an adult because, you know, <laughs> bless my mom's heart. One of the things she told me when I was a kid was like, we only do this as a kid. Like we don't do this as adults. <laughs> and um, we actually just joked about that the other day. But um, like, mom, I'm doing it as an adult. So um but yeah, I had to make that decision again. Like I went to college and I got a degree in communications and PR. I worked in the corporate world for a few years and was doing like marketing campaigns, social media and stuff like that for all these different companies and for an agency for a while. And I just like, I had this moment where I was like, I am not happy. Like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't wake up feeling stoked to go sit in an office for eight hours. You know, like I'm not, I'm not loving this and I'm not, I'm not feeling fulfilled. So I kind of like started dabbling back in acting when I was, you know, finishing up college. I'd taken a break for a while and was like, oh, yep, this is the thing. I forgot. This is the thing I've always loved. This this was like my first love. This is like my first passion, you know. I kind of had stopped through like maybe like 15 to like 18, 19. I took like a four-year break. And then oh, I was wow. like, I forgot about this, you know, like I, <laughs> I love it. Probably longer, probably like 15 to like. 2021 20, is when I, is when I kind of came back. I was when I was about 21. So anyways, all that to say, um, yeah, I had to decide again, like, I love this and I want to do this. And I don't care if it's not the smart, you know, quote unquote, like smart thing to do or the reliable thing to do or the traditional thing to do. Like, I'm going to take risks and I'm going to go after this thing that I love because I love it. So, yeah. And I mean, as we've seen from the pandemic, nothing is guaranteed nothing is stable always you know so why not take a chance and you know keep this going I mean have you had to I don't know uh, go to the service industry and work while you're doing this what kind of sacrifices did you have to make for that kind of transition I actually to be completely honest I have never worked in the service industry um 
which I feel like is a rite of passage in LA. So I'm a little embarrassed that I never <laughs> experienced that. I never, you know, I never went through that, but I did work um, at Jamba Juice and Cold Stone as a teenager, like when I was my senior year of high school. So I did work in the, in the food industry, but I've never been, I've never been a waiter. I've never been a server. Um, I, I kind of like transitioned what I was doing with social media and kind of started making my own, like my own business, my own content. And that's kind of how I became a content creator. Um, I started creating content on Instagram. I started creating YouTube and like TikTok videos and stuff like that. Um, TikTok's more recent, but yeah, I started, I started really diving into the world of like social media a few years ago and started building an online business for myself before I moved to LA. Um, and then in the last few years I picked up live streaming. So I do like, you know, pretty much every form of social media. And that's, that is like my, um, I guess that's my, yeah, that's my job. That's like, <laughs> Uh, I somehow not had to be a waiter or like a waitress, but I have a lot of uh, I, I, a lot of compassion for that industry because I feel like there's it's, it can be tough from what I hear, like from yeah. what my friends say. You know, I, I'm sure it is not easy. Um, yeah. Yeah, and what a what a gift to be able to you know move your sort of creative flow into that and make a living off of it too. You know, you're not. Uh, I don't want to say some people like to think it's. Um, it's like selling out if you go to an office job and still think you want to, you know, act mm -hmm. or, you know, which I guess it, it could be in some instances, but that's so cool that you're, you're able to find another source of income through that and also give back to a community as well. I mean, do you have any sort of uh, specific brands that you target for those live streams? Like, are you more uh, like creative self-help, some sort of coaching? Is it just entertainment? Like, what do you usually go for for, for your content creation? Yeah, it's, it's usually a little bit of everything. I, wow. My tagline on my socials is like entertainment and advice from your internet big sis. So like I'll do, I do a lot of mental health type stuff, like self-love therapy. We talk about like perfectionism and like people pleasing and anxiety, and depression. And so like, I have a lot of like mental health type topics. I have a lot of like self-love body positivity type videos. Um, so it's all, it's all like advice and uh, love yourself and then also like I will post singing covers or I'll post like me doing an, an audition like a self-tape um if I can and uh, you know sometimes it's comedy videos I made a stupid video today that I I'm excited to post because <laughs> it's like it made me laugh but you know sometimes <laughs> they're just like stupid stuff you're like this is funny but um <laughs> yeah it kind of just depends on like what it is but um but I really enjoy it and I I don't I think it's that's a really important thing what you said is that a lot of times like we have this idea of like oh if you work a nine to five or oh if you're in the service industry if you drive uber like you're selling out because you you know you're like not pursuing the dream and it's like I think that that's so sad first off that we that we have that like view of people that are also pursuing a dream while recognizing they still need to put food on the table you know yeah. it's like it's nothing to be ashamed of and there's nothing there's nothing wrong about it there's nothing bad about it and I actually think it's a really beautiful thing to recognize like hey you know what I'm not in the space that I want to be I'm not doing the thing I want to be doing but I want to get to this thing so I'm going to do these things simultaneously that takes a really yeah. strong person in my opinion it takes a lot of courage to not just like give up or like like, well, because this isn't making money yet, I guess I just won't do it. Instead, like doing both, I think is way more impressive than someone who just gives up because it takes a lot more work, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I just, I spoke to somebody, she's a, a lead in a TV show now and has been for the last three years, but she worked 20 years straight in the service industry and awesome. wanted to give up, wanted to 
do something else, kept fighting for it. And then boom, it, it happens. But I will say like, speaking as somebody who is still in the service industry while doing it, you get a fair amount of, uh, you know, like <laughs> give and take because a lot of the customers see you as, oh, you're just a, a waiter. Or you're just a bartender. Then they see you on a commercial or they see you in a movie and suddenly like they appreciate everything you're doing. And I think it goes for, for everybody in this, you know, in the arts industry, as far as, you know, working, because you're, whether you're creating content, whether you're serving and then doing commercials, you're doing something to pay your bills and also, you know, sort of make a brand for yourself. And I'm curious, what does that do for your, like for representation, for, you know, gaining some uh, new self-tape auditions? Have you felt like you've uh, acquired some more opportunities because of your content creation? Or uh, I guess there's not a direct correlation between that, but have you noticed any sort of like weird coincidences when it comes to that? You know, I think, I think that does exist for people that have like millions of followers. I do not have millions of followers. I have like a niche, you know, a smaller following that like is loyal and consistent, but I, I'm not someone with like multiple millions of followers or anything like that. And I feel like what I always hear casting directors say is like, you know, it doesn't really matter how many followers you have unless you have over a million. <laughs> and then, sure. and then they're like, okay, then maybe we'll make a show about you. Like if you're like Liza Koshy, David Dobrik status, like then let's talk, you know, yeah. but feel anyone less than that, it's like eh, numbers are numbers. Like it doesn't really, I, I used to think that actually when I was first starting focusing on social media was that, oh, if I grow my followers and maybe I'll create more opportunities for myself. And then moving out here, I realized it actually doesn't matter because everyone here is someone everyone here has followers you know what I mean it's like it's just kind of like you're the same as everybody else unless you're like at that Emma Chamberlain Liza Koshy David Dobrik like status where you're like oh yeah everyone knows who you are you know what I mean like it's just it's a different it's a different level and I think that's maybe when you create some opportunities for yourself but even then people still look at you as a YouTuber. They look at you as a content creator. They look at you as like a social media figure. You're not an actor and you're only going to attract your YouTube audience to this show that they've made about you. It's, it, you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't, social media stars don't often lend themselves to good storytelling in like traditional mediums, yeah. you know? <laughs> not that I just mean that they don't often get hired for that. Not that they couldn't. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of really talented actors that are, you know, social media personalities. I'm just saying it doesn't usually like you don't see um, a social media creator with like, you know, seven million followers getting cast in the new Avengers movie. It's like it just doesn't it doesn't usually go that way. <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're you're honestly to them just a brand. Right. So yeah. they'll put you in promos or something. But, you know, you're not going to cross a billion at the box office because you have. 8 million. Well, I guess unless you're the rock, but that's a whole other conversation. Right. Uh, it's, but the rock started in film and then he's, yeah. you know, then he's created a social media personality, but it's not, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very rare that you see it go the other direction. Yeah. It's like uh, the IMDb ranking, your star ranking, you know, it really doesn't matter unless you're in the top, what, 500, 300. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, you are just, you're constantly cycling through whatever ranking you are that week. And yeah. uh, I'm sure as, Another performer, you've checked it, you know, at least two weeks in a row and went, why did I go down 60,000? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a number, like, I, put, I used to put so much pressure on it. Like, where am I at? Where am I at? I'm like, nah, I just yeah. don't care. Like, it's such a random factor between, like, what movie you were in, what project you just did, who yeah. people are talking about. Like, if, and if you know someone or your IMDb is connected to theirs in some way, like, it's just, nah who cares <laughs> exactly it's just never it doesn't matter to us it's just let's find the next job right yeah exactly <laughs> i'm just we're just on to the next thing <laughs> yeah 
So when you when you came back after your sabbatical and you made that transition back into the arts industry, what was that like trying to find representation, trying to get back into the audition, you know, rooms? Did you find it difficult? Was it something you just kind of like, oh, it's like riding a bike. I slipped right back into it. What, what was that transition like for you? Because that's a very interesting time, too, to get back into it. Yeah, that's a really great question. It was like, I was, like I said, I was kind of near the end of college and I was like, oh gosh, I forgot. Like I've been taking a break from this and I just do it again. So it was kind of a weird time. I had been focusing on ballroom dance for like eight years, which is what? why I know super random, right? I, I mean, awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's not something most people, most people know about me that I did ballroom competitively for like eight years, which is kind of why I stopped doing acting. I like switched gears when I was about 15 and just kind of like did ballroom but um 15 or 16 right after minor details but um but yeah anyways when I came back it was kind of like okay I felt like I was doing I was working in a corporate job I was going to college full-time I was you know wanting to be into acting again I was also doing ballroom I was like some things gotta give maybe multiple things gotta give I don't know so I, I realized like I am more passionate about acting than I am about ballroom so that, that was a sacrifice. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to let ballroom go. And I haven't really danced in quite a while now. Um, let go of ballroom. And then eventually the next change, uh, after I graduated college, I realized I, I don't want to work in a, in a corporate world. I don't want to be a nine-to-fiver. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for me and my personality, it just doesn't work. Like, I just, I get too bored. I get too distracted. It's just not for me. Um, so I was like, okay, I got to figure out a different way to do that. So yeah, so it was like I had to let go of a couple things to be able to like make the switch back to this career that I loved so much. And to be honest, getting an agent was pretty easy for me because I already had representation as from my same agent when I was a kid. Um, my her name's Liz Knight. She represented me when I was like ten years old in Utah, where I used to live. And um, so when I was in college, I called her up and I was like, "Hey, I wanted to do this again. Like, can we have a meeting?" And we did. And she was like, "Yeah, of course, I'll sign you." um again so um so yeah I worked with her and that was really great and then she ended up closing her agency and I had to get a different agent and kind of you know bounced around like there interviewed around and ended up with my agent that I have now in Utah but um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't too difficult it did feel quite a bit like riding a bike and I had built up a lot of relationships just from acting as a kid that people still knew me like um, I did, a, I did a couple movies in Utah as a kid when I was 12 and then another one when I was like 14 or 15. So coming back, people kind of were already familiar with who I was and like had already seen me and stuff. And um, so, yeah, I kind of just was like jumping back in like, oh, we know Kelsey, but now she's like, you know, 10 years older or whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And there's a good community over in, uh, in Utah. I mean, I've only been to Salt Lake and Park City, you know, here and there, but uh oh my god I can never pronounce his last name I may have to bleep it out just in case but uh <laughs> Rocco DeVeers do you does uh, that name sound familiar from yes, Utah but why did I don't know it he's a he's a director screenwriter he's known for making oh my goodness what's it called the the Flyboys film in Utah mm-hmm. it must have been years before but I know he he has a, a good presence over in the Utah film circuit and there's just a ton of really talented people over there. So I can only imagine like having those relationships when you're younger, rekindling them now. It's just like, and see where those people have gone in that amount of time too. You know, it's, it must've been really cool to just see how they, how they grew and going from that to, to LA. was there any, <laughs> any notable difference as far as how you should talk to her? Okay. Yeah. I assume there was, but because <laughs> like being in Denver, I know my, my reps, I know my agent, we talk to each other, like, you know, we're just 
we're, we're buddies, but I, I feel like going and meeting LA reps, that must've been kind of a, a weird transition too. you know, trying to seem professional, but also, you know, not like cut off. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, it was definitely a transition. I mean, the film industry is completely different here in LA than it is in Utah. There's some similarities, but it is like, it's night and day in my opinion, because like in Utah, we have one casting director that does pretty much everything. We have, there's a couple others now that are doing more. Um, but like the main casting director is like, he's been the main casting director in Utah that all of the big SAG projects go through for like decades, you know? And like, I've known him for decades. So it's like, it's not really like, you know, here in LA, you're always like, oh, this casting director, do they know me? How well do they know me? Um, how many times have they brought me in? Would they bring me in again? Can I even get in their door, right? Like, can I even get your attention long enough to be in front of you? Like, that's like, I feel like that's how it is with casting directors here. But in Utah, it's literally like, yeah, I have personal relationships with all these people because there's only one of them <laughs> or like two or three, you know? Um, and yeah, like my reps, you were very close. Like I, we, we text, we call, we, you know, very, very easy to get in contact with them. And I will say like to my, my reps here are really also very, very great and really easy to get in contact with too. And very responsive. And like, um, I know that some reps maybe aren't as much, but I, uh, I'm really grateful for mine because they are, they are super easy to contact and five questions are always like texting me right away and like always on the call on the phone with me or whatever. So that's like, I'm very grateful for that. Cause I, I know that's a little bit rare sometimes, but, um, but even just the process of getting a freaking rep was really, it was really difficult out here. Like, I don't know. I moved here and I'm like, okay, I've been acting for most of my life. I've got, a, you know, I've got like a decent amount of experience under me. This shouldn't be too hard. And it was still really hard. Like it took, I don't think I got an agent until I was like, I'd been here for maybe two years, which, you know, everyone's story is different. And I, I always like hesitate to tell my new friends that are moving to LA, like, yeah, it took me a while to get an agent because I don't want to like project my experience onto them, True. you know? Yeah. And like, it, it could be a bunch of things why I didn't get an agent faster. It could be my look, it could be my hair color. It could be, you know, my resume. I could be anything. I don't know, but it, you know, it, they might have a completely different experience, but I did, I did feel like when I moved to LA that I was like, Oh, like, like we're not in, Kansas anymore Toto you know like <laughs> another we, we well we actually lived here I lived here as a kid my mom went in like as a child actor my mom would bring us out here when I was 10 for like pilot seasons oh. and we lived with my aunt like over in Hawthorne um so I like had an experience of LA as a kid but being here as an adult like you're paying your own rent and like in charge of your career completely is like it's a different ballgame you know yeah and from what I've heard everybody is working on their career like that's what is most notable about LA from what I've I've only been there a few times but I have friends who just moved over there it's been a year and oh my god are they not you know burning the midnight oil just trying to get things done even mm -hmm. if it's you know a non-union short film because one of the casting directors for a bigger project is friends with this director you know just something to kind of get in the door and I mean how do you feel about your footing right now with your representation how long you've been out there I mean you've done a couple of projects do you feel pretty good about the you know, like the next year or so of self-tapes and auditions, do you feel like you finally have a, a groove or what's your, what's your comfort level like with that? Yeah. I mean, things are going really well and I'm really grateful. It's like, you know, am I exactly where I want to be yet? No, but I feel like we're rarely exactly where we want to be. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like something I'm always working on too, is like recognizing how far I've come to be grateful for where I am in the present. But um, but yeah, no, my reps are wonderful. I have a wonderful manager, wonderful agents, theatrical and commercial. I'm very grateful for them. 
and yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of auditions. I feel like the last two weeks I've had, like, I, I just had so many auditions, which is great. <laughs> I'm really grateful for that. Um, and I am, um, I'm actually producing and, uh, developing my, my first short film. Um, we're filming it this summer. So I wrote it with my, uh, my writing partner, Joey. Um, and then we, uh, are, I, I'm directing it and then he and I are both like the leads in it as well. So, um, so yeah, that's happening in July. It's <laughs> oh like a big God. thing that's coming up. So now yeah. with that, do you have any ambition of submitting that to some festivals and getting it seen? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I plan to, I've got a whole list of festivals that I'll be submitting it to. And, oh, wow. um, I just think, I think like the, the day of like waiting as an actor, like waiting for someone to notice you or waiting for someone to say, Hey, you're good it's just like it's past now like I think that we have to be proactive now and we have to be making our own stuff this is my personal opinion but I I really do think that it's beneficial for an actor to show like I have more skill sets than just showing up to set and crushing it in front of a camera like I can do more than that um and you know it also helps you build relationships with people it helps you know you get to know producers and directors better because you're like you're like oh we're doing the same thing you know it's like they you just like have that level of respect you're no longer a desperate actor it's like cast me please cast me cast me yeah. cast me like you know you're like no i'm making my own stuff too like and it's gonna be good so like we can respect each other for the fact that we do good work and i think that's i think that's a good thing for actors i, I see a lot of actors doing that i think it's really a good thing to do personally. yeah you're 100 right i mean that power dynamic has completely been dismantled whether you're on a, a sag union shoot or an independent shoot the second they hear that, hey, you had film editing experience or you've been writing scripts up the wazoo, they're going to see you as more of a peer. And it feels great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's so cool. And, you know, going back to the desperate actor thing, if you have something you enjoy outside of this, you're more likely to um, maybe not be cast, but they'll they'll retain that relationship with you because you aren't blowing up their phone or bugging them. Like you have your content creation and your music. I mean, that stands out more than anything as a performer that you have all these other avenues. So, I mean, (laughs) have you been recognized by this network for your, for your music or for your content creation as well? Even if it's just like a, Hey, love what you're doing. Keep it going. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about, um, about bringing like not being attached. I think like, Mm -hmm. like there's something about not being attached to the identity of I'm an actor, I'm an actor, I'm an actor, I'm an actor. (laughs) And then like, there's, there's just, there's like this desperate energy that comes with that sometimes that when you show up as like a, a fully fleshed out person, who's not just like, this is all I do. And this is the only thing I care about. <laughs> it's like, you're suddenly so much more approachable. Yeah. You know, and people, don't, again, they don't see you as like, Oh, got to stay away from her. She's going to be all over my DMS until I bring her into my you know audition room. It's like, no, like this person is really set and has their stuff going and they're not stressed about it. And they know the value that they bring to the table and they're going to keep bringing that table they're bringing that to the table, whether someone notices or not. And like, I hope that someone will notice, but like, I'm not attached to that. You know, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. (laughs) I think it's just, (laughs) the energy is just so different and it it makes you so much more approachable and so much more interesting to maintain a relationship because people don't feel like you're trying to get something from them. You know, you've got your own stuff going. And say building off of that, what is your, say you get, a lot of us will get sides for a self-tape submission that's at minimum, you know, maybe 12 hours away as far as the deadline goes so what is your you know you have all this other stuff going on 
what's your prep like in that that crunching deadline when you have you know five pages of dialogue to memorize you said it's all you know like detaching and just submitting it but you also want to do well so what's your approach with that that's always interesting to hear I mean, I just had that experience like maybe three days ago (laughs) where my, (laughs) yeah, so this is very fresh. Uh, (laughs) My agent like texted me at like maybe two and she was like, or three, three or four, like some late afternoon, maybe three and was like, Hey, I have a really big role. This is your, it's a lead role for the huge, a huge project. And this has to be your best work ever. And like, if it's not your best work ever, please don't submit. I was like, Whoa, like no pressure, but I always try to do good work anyways. But you know, just the way that she phrased it was like, if this is not the best work I've ever seen of yours, I don't want it. <laughs> so it's just like, and by the way, it's due tonight. I was like, <laughs> like, oh my god yeah exactly so I like pulled, quickly like pulled up the script and was like working on it was like three or four separate scenes so it was quite, quite a few pages of dialogue like probably nine or ten yeah pages um or more. anyways it was yeah so I was like I like literally I had a few things planned I was supposed to meet up with some people I canceled all of it and I was like hey so sorry just got this huge audition I'm not gonna be able to make it tonight I understand and my friend bless her heart was available and she came over and worked with me on it but um yeah, that was probably, that was one of those times where I was, I was trying to find a balance between like how being detached, but also mm-hmm. wanting to do the best work that I could do given the time frame that I had, you know, and I spent, you know, it was a story based on a true, a true character, a true story. So I spent as much time as I could to like dive into the character, learn more about her, watch videos about her and be like, okay, I think I have a sense of this girl and then, um, you know, try to do good work. But yeah, the, you just have to, at the end of the day, like, be like, okay, that's all I can do. Like, my mom always taught me when I was a kid, like, as soon as you walk out of the door, like, you forget about it. You know, we don't, th- wow. we don't think about it after we've left the door, after we've left the room. And I, like, still keep that with me. Like, okay, I've submitted it. I hit, I hit submit. I uploaded it. And I don't think about it. I think it's behind me. <laughs> Is there one that still haunts you a little bit that you still can't stop thinking about? Like a role maybe you did or didn't get, but just that experience <sighs> of sending it in and waiting. <laughs> yeah. The ones that are the hardest are the ones that you get really close on, you know, like I get it. I, I get like a little attached to everything because I feel like I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, I feel like I've, I've played a million characters, you know, even if I haven't booked the role, I have still played that character, um, you know, and like I, I understand that person. I understand her story or whatever, you know, even if I didn't actually get to like play her in front of a camera, like I got to step into that world for a minute. And so there's a part of you that like does kind of get like, uh, <laughs> like really, like, I wanted that. And then, and then, yeah, you'd have to be like, okay, I, I just, it wasn't mine. But yeah, I think that there's like a couple, like there was a movie that I was, it's always like when it's down to you and one other person that like, oh, it yeah. sucks the worst. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, and you see the show after you see the movie after and you're like, that could have been me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was in this, I was in this TV pilot when I was a kid that um, got picked up like Oh, not, did not get picked up. Sorry. It did not get picked up. It was between, um, our show and modern family, like ABC was being pitched my pilot and then modern family's pilot. And ABC was like, well, we can only take one of these. Cause they're both like family, like sitcom, you know, whatever, like type shows, family comedies. And they picked modern family. So, you know, but there's always that like, moment where, like, oh, what if they had picked mine? Or like, what if that had been me, you know, yeah. you wonder like how different things would be now or whatever. And, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely those those experiences. There's another movie that I got really close on that I was so like in love with the role, and you know, ended up not booking it and stuff like that. So those yeah, those ones still haunt you. But 
I just try to, I just try to maintain that belief. It's like the, the right ones won't pass me, right? Like the right ones yeah. that are for me are mine. They're always going to be mine and no one can take them away from me. And then it helps you to like be less attached to it. Oh yeah. And sometimes you, I'm, well, in my case, most of the time, and I've heard from other people too, you watch that final product and you go, oh, okay, yeah, I totally get it. Like totally <laughs> that person deserved it a hundred percent. It's, well, it's yeah yeah not even like a deserved but like oh that person is that character yes like that person fits it you know yeah because you deserved it too everyone deserves it but it's like some people it's just like that's that was them it was, it that, it was them. yeah there in speaking of of roles that have been booked and you did get the you know get the character right you booked the job i do want to talk excited loved this movie when I first saw it and I had like a list of people that I wanted to talk to and that's you know I reached out to your reps because I want to see like what is what how, how did you get involved with this this is so cool but the <laughs> the wolf of snow hollow is just a fun satirical dark comedy uh built as a horror film and I, I assume was that shot in California or was that shot in Utah it was actually shot in Utah uh, okay yeah it's take me through that that journey what was it like auditioning for that did you have any knowledge of what the project was about before you auditioned for it and I guess you know like what was your time span between audition and hey you booked the job because if it was like six to seven weeks I would have gone insane (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a great question the time span I will have to to think about that but yeah it was um it was filmed in Utah it was actually the last project that I filmed in Utah before I moved to LA um, we wrapped like mid April, beginning of April, and I moved two weeks later, like to wow. LA. It was already a plan. It just like was crazy the way that that lined up. I was like, oh wow, that was meant to be, you know. <laughs> like two weeks later, I moved with the people I just made a family with, you know, on this like on this movie. So I was able to like get settled in and have them close by and work at their office space and stuff like that, all, you know, before the pandemic. But but yeah, so um, it was. I had an audition. I saw this one on casting networks. They went through casting networks, which is interesting because most of the time people don't go through casting networks on in Utah. Like we don't really use casting networks. It's getting to be more so now, but for the most mm-hmm. part, it's like your agents, actors access casting networks are not really as much, you know, it's more like your agents will email you and say, Hey, this project and you need to submit for it. Anyways, this one happened to be on casting networks and I came across it and I was like, Oh, this looks cool. And um, originally I read for, two other characters i read for jim's daughter i read for um i can't remember jenna I, yeah i read for jenna yeah. and then i read for uh the girl named hannah who's like a snowboard instructor um oh, I, yeah okay yeah i did i didn't actually read for liz at all who's who's, who's I, what i ended up playing but i didn't read i didn't read for her um so i sent in two tapes i sent in a tape for it was like a self-tape submission i self sent in a tape for jenna i sent in a tape for hannah and then um and then I got a call back, which was like maybe a couple weeks later. It was it was like one of the ones where I had forgotten about it because it had been a while ago and I kind of assumed it was past me. So it was probably, I don't know if it was a month, but it was probably pretty close to it. It's definitely a few weeks in between my first audition and then the callback. And then um, the callback was in person because um, Jim and Natalie and Ben were in the producers and Jim's the writer, director, star. They were in Utah for Sundance. So they were able to do their callbacks in person, which is really cool because that's very rare. Like for yeah. a movie that's, you know, the production company is entirely based out of LA and it's being cast, um, the casting director, Amy Renee, she's based out of LA too. So like the fact that I was able to do my callback in person, I was like, oh, this is, this is nice. You know, I got to meet Jim. I met Natalie. I met Ben and was able to work with them one-on-one. Um, so yeah, I went to my callback and um, 
and, and they had asked me, you know, hey, we really liked your work, but we would like to actually see you read for Liz. And I was like, oh, okay. I, you know, I wasn't, I was not preparing for that, but I will prepare for it. So one of my friends worked with me. We ran the callback a few times. I worked on it in an acting class and I definitely put a lot of time into that callback. I mean, it was, you know, we talk about being detached and that's, that's definitely my mindset now, but I was, I was pretty attached to that one. <laughs> like <laughs> I put a lot of energy into that callback working on it and like getting coaching and stuff like that. So anyways, I went down for the, the callback and it was great working with Jim was awesome. And he's, um, he's a great director to work with because he knows exactly what he wants. Like there's not really any questions with Jim. Like you, he has this whole thing in his brain already. He's, he's, you know, he's acted it out. He's like made a podcast version of the script. Like he knows how this is going to be. And that there's so much comfort in that because sometimes you wonder with a director, like, did I give you what you wanted? Like, did you get the performance <laughs> that you needed? You know, like, are you just moving on because we have no time? Like, and there's a lot of like, ah, like sometimes you feel worried about that with the director, but with Jim, it's like, no, I know exactly what he wants and he knows when he's got it and he knows when he doesn't. So, um, yeah. So in that callback experience was great because it was just very, like, there's a lot of certainty that like, I knew that he was happy with like what I had done. Um, and then, yeah, fast forward a couple weeks, uh, I think the whole process was like, you know, maybe a month and a half or two months. I, I got an email that I had booked it and that was like, ah! I was so excited <laughs> so excited I like screamed like ran down the stairs I was like mom like I booked it um it was yeah it was such a such a special project to be a part of and I I just loved it I mean it's still it's still one of my favorite projects I've ever worked on just the cast and crew were just amazing you know I just had such a wonderful time with them and um and it was fun we all kind of just like became this like little family they had these airbnbs up in like near Park City in Camp Camus and Colville, which is where we filmed. And they had like this huge Airbnb, a couple Airbnbs. And then we would just like crash at the Airbnb. Like I was, you know, a local, so I wasn't technically being housed at the Airbnb, but like yeah. I was invited to come stay with them. So like we like fil finished filming for the day and then we'd all go back to the Airbnb and like they'd be like making food and making nachos and like playing Uno and like doing tarot cards and like stuff like that. Like it was it was really fun. It was a really great experience. And then like, you know, crashing on the couch and I'd like sleep over there sometimes. And it was just like a really fun. And sometimes when I wasn't even filming on set, they'd, they'd be like, come up to set, like come hang out with us, you know? And that's oh, the kind wow. of community, yeah, that they, that they created. Like Jim would always be like, yeah, come over. If you're, if you're free for the day, come, come around and hang around. And so like, you know, it was just fun to be, be a part of that community and that environment. And um, they really made it like such a, a special fun experience for sure yeah that's and that's pretty rare too to be invited while they're filming and you're not supposed to be on set that day that almost never happens I know <laughs> I so know cool. <laughs> it was crazy well yeah they that's how that was just like the energy it's like it was it's a family and we want you around you know if you're free come come chill like you know and and, and I really I think that helped helped us all get so much more close mm -hmm. because you know you only have like x amount of filming days but if you can be there for the other days too then it's you just grow so much closer and and uh yeah I mean we all did it was just it, and it was kind of a crazy experience for me I just remember this now I was coming back from I was coming back from um what was I Cambodia I booked a I booked a project where I was filming in Cambodia and I literally was on my like overnight flight back to Utah and then like the night that I landed I had like my table read with Jim and I literally, I remember like texting them at the airport being like, my flight got super delayed. And like, 
hopped off the plane at LAX or school, um, hopped off the plane in Utah. And my mom picked me up, drove me straight up to like Camus Colville. I was like super jet lagged. I just flown in like <laughs> from Cambodia. And I had my table read there at like 10 PM or something in Camus. It was really cold and late and dark. And I was like, I'm here. Like I'm late, but I'm here. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, that was, that was wild, but really fun. And then we started filming maybe the next week after that, or maybe a couple of days after, after I got back from Cambodia. So. Oh my God. And I assume you, you're probably still in touch with a lot of those folks too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was wow. one of the best things about like the way that it lined up. Like I did not, I was already planning on moving to LA. That was already in the cards. April, that week of April, I had like a movie premiere for another movie I'd been in. And then the, a few days after that was my plan, my date that I planned to move. And just the way that the timing lined up was just, it couldn't have been better. Like the, the friendships that I created with them, they used to have a big office um, here in LA. And so right when I moved here, I didn't really know anybody. And, you know, Jim would always be like, come work, just come do your work here. And, you know, Natalie and Ben, I was like, hey guys, how are you? And Matt, like Matt's, Matt is amazing. And all the producers, everyone in Vanishing Angle, they're just, they're just such great people. And I'm just so like honored that I had the opportunity to work with them. And, you know, they'll do, they still do like regular movie nights and they'll do like screenings. And um, we do this thing. It's like, they have this community where called Fun Lab, where we do like, um, filmmakers will like bring scripts and we'll kind of talk about it and workshop it so when I was first writing my script I brought it to fun lab and got everyone's feedback on it and then I'll go to fun lab and you know we'll chat and offer feedback on other people's scripts so it's like a very uh very community um based production company yeah. <laughs> you know like very much about community they're always doing parties and fun things and I just yeah there's there's so many days where I'm like wow like I'm really lucky and very grateful that I was introduced into that you know? yeah that's that's in in l oh, i'm sorry in la of all places too to have that that sense of home in a place where nothing really feels like home yeah it's so yeah. cool <laughs> i mean this is this is the the filmmaker in me but have you uh talked to them about possibly renting or borrowing equipment for your short film oh uh, <laughs> no we're actually <laughs> film, we're filming in utah actually what yeah that's so cool i know I, i'm excited about that because um it, yeah, there's just, Utah is just, uh, it's cheaper, frankly, yeah. you know, it's easier, cheaper. Um, got a lot of friends in the film industry there and a lot of people that are like excited about the project and want to be a part of it. And so, yeah, we're actually filming, filming it all in Utah. We're doing two scenes here, the, like the bookends, opening the closing scene will be in LA, but everything else we're doing in Utah. So, um, but no, I am, I, I am really excited to show it to them when it's done in that, just to be able to like, you know, have, have something that I'm really proud of. And Matt and Natalie, you know, gave me some good feedback on it and um, we're very helpful with that process too. So it's been fun like telling them about it and I'll be excited to like show it to them when it's, when it's all done. So. And will that be available to the public when it's all done maybe? Or maybe after so. the festival circuit? Yeah, probably after the festival circuit. <laughs> Wait a little I, know. Bit. <laughs> I need to learn how people do that. I like, I'm like, this is still my first time. And I, I would be like, here, take the link. Everybody watch it, watch it, yeah. watch it. And then, <laughs> and then I think like, I'd be like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Like, don't, yeah, people usually reserve it for after the festival run. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I just did. get so excited. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I had to blow up my director's phone. I did a short film just before the pandemic and a year had gone by and I had not seen it. It was in festivals. I'm like, buddy, I need material for my reel. 
can, I, can you send me something? And he says, oh, fine, I'll give you a Vimeo link with a password, but don't share it. Share it. <laughs> like, just, I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. Who am I going to show? The only person I want to see is my mom. Like, it's, <laughs> it's That's fine. so funny that it was but, in festivals and you still haven't seen it. Yeah. It's, it, and, you know, some, some filmmaking projects here in Denver are very, um, they can be very cut off after you're done filming until they feel comfortable with you watching it. Uh, it just it just kind of goes around but uh, no that's that's so cool you're filming in two different places gives you you know a lot more texture and a lot more production value in your short film so I'm looking forward to you know looking that I will just I'll bug you in a year and say hey where's the short film if it's done can I watch it Uh, (laughs) building off of you know everything you've talked about you know building a family and uh, the wolf of snow hollow film and having this this raging community of of creative friends do you have a party story you could share with my listeners? So those of you who don't know a party story on this podcast doesn't have to take place at a party, uh, but something that may have happened in your, your life uh, in the arts doesn't have to be in the arts, but just something that made a huge impression that you can, you know, sort of take note of every, not every single detail, but something that you could tell at a party that you will never forget. Okay. Okay. Names so, yeah. can be redacted. Hmm. So it's a, start, a story that you would tell at a party, not necessarily a story about a party. Yes. Yeah. And that's, it, that's coming from somebody who never went to parties in high school. So I'm like, oh, I didn't realize a party story had to, you know, like everyone thinks of it as a, a story of a party. But in this case, <laughs> it's just, oh, that's my party story. I'm going to tell at a party. It's my, my version of being a grown adult. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I actually do have one that comes to mind. It is one of my favorites to tell. Um, like I mentioned, I'm a singer songwriter. So I like write music and, and stuff like that. And um, this is a story that like, and prompted my song called Salt. Um, when I first moved to LA, <clears throat> I was like, you know, actively networking, going out of my way to like make build relationships with people. And I had met someone on Instagram, I think, and and he invited me to this thing. Was like, hey, my agent is doing like an open house at his new office. Um, you know, I know you just moved here. You're probably looking for representation. Feel free to come. So I was like, oh, that's really nice. Like I don't even know this guy really that well, but I, I showed up at the open house. It's like my first week in LA. I literally just gotten here. And um, I started talking to these ladies and they were nice at the start. And then they started asking me like, okay, yeah, how long have you been in LA? And I was like, oh, I just got here. Like, this is my first week. I'm brand new. And this lady like looks me up and down and she goes, hmm, good luck, sweetie. The city's going to eat you alive. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I was like, what? I was like, oh my gosh. Like, how jaded are you? I'm like, what a horrible thing to say to someone that just got here. Right. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's, that experience has stuck with me forever. Uh, unfortunately, but it's a, it's in a good way because it gave me like some really good fuel to be like, you know what? I know that's your story. And I'm sorry that that has been your experience in this city. I didn't say this to her, but it's like my, my, you know, later processing about it. Like, I'm sorry, this has been her experience, but it doesn't have to be my experience. And that doesn't have to be my story. So yeah, I wrote a whole song about it. It's called, it's called Salt. And it's about right when I was moving to LA and all the negativity that like people wanted to like shove on me and being like, you're going to LA, you're going to fail, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then just my way of saying like, hey, I get that that's your experience. Doesn't have to be mine. Thank you. <laughs> you know, oh um, so, so yeah, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> that honestly, who says that in real life? That's something they put on, you know, one of those CW teen shows. Right? I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I know. Literally, my jaw dropped. It took everything inside of me to like respond like politely. I was like, 
Oh my, yeah, it still blows my mind that she said that to me, but she did. She 100% said it to me. And like, it's like coming from a place of like, she's projecting whatever her experience has been, she's projecting it onto me. And I, you know, like, again, I, I, I have sympathy for that, but yeah, it's just kind of like mind blowing to me that someone would talk to someone they don't even know that way. <laughs> yeah. And that's the same person that'll see you on a talk show years from now talking about this going, I didn't say that. I said right? she's going to do great. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Tell yourself that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, this is a perfect segue. Do you, do you have any advice that you could instill upon our listeners, whether it's somebody who is in the arts industry trying to stay in it or somebody who is trying to get into it, uh, no matter, you know, what age they are, do you have any advice that might help them, you know, just power through it and keep going? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is kind of what we've talked about here. Like, if you can find a way to diversify what you do, I think that that's really valuable. Um, I think if you can show up as being a complete, a complete whole person and not just someone who has one personality, the personality of an actor, and that's all you do, and that's all people, you know what I mean? I think that, I think that people appreciate your energy and your presence, and they'll take you so much more seriously if they know you're like a cool person and not you're just you're not just trying to like use everyone or get something from someone or climb the ladder to success you know because yeah those people those people don't if they make it they're going to step on a lot of people to get there and eventually that's going to come back to bite you yeah. and I know people I know people like that and it's like I I would really hope that um you know that it's about more than just getting to where I need to go and not worrying about who I you know damage along the way <laughs> um so anyways that that's one thing it's just like being like a fully fleshed out person and like having lots of interests and, and bringing more to the table and just being, I'm an actor, you know, that's it. There's a lot of actors in the world. Yeah. Um, so how are you different? How are you special? What, you know, what makes you unique that, what do you bring to the table? That somebody else doesn't. Um, so that'd be one thing. Um, and then the other thing is like, yeah, I would say um, be really careful to not let people's experiences color your own, you know, like everyone's experience and story is going to be different and that's okay. And that's like the beauty of life is like, my experience in LA is completely different than your experience in Colorado. And like, mm -hmm. and, and somebody else's experience in LA is going to be different than mine. And that's okay. Like we don't have to compare. We don't have to get jealous. We don't have to get angry because there is always enough for everyone. You're not losing out on anything. You're not missing out on anything. And as long as your heart is in the right place, you're putting in the effort that you need to, and you're not just like wasting away your days. Like I really do believe that the things that are for you are always going to be yours you don't have to stress about it. Like don't, that doesn't give you an excuse to be lazy or to like not work or put in the effort for your career, but it does mean you don't have to be so like anxiously attached to this, like, oh, outcome, I have to have this. And if I don't have it, then my life is going to end. You know, it allows <laughs> you like a sense of freedom. Like I don't have to be attached to that role because if it's mine, it's going to come back to me. Um, and yeah, then I think the third other thing that came to mind was um, I would diversify your income as much as you can. Like that's, that's like a very practical, um, tool that I think has helped me a lot, especially moving to LA, an expensive city like LA, is setting up a variety of income streams so that you're not dependent on just one thing. And especially like when something like the pandemic happens and someone's income stream gets cut, you know, completely, you're like, oh, great. Well, I still have these four or five other income streams that I can either, you know, put more energy into or focus on completely or whatever. Um, especially, so yeah, especially being a creative who is pursuing a you know, an acting career, I would say it's very beneficial to have a variety of things that are bringing in money. So, um, so yeah, those are, the, those are the three things that came to mind. <laughs> that's, that's amazing advice and all done within, you know, a few minutes, you know, a very succinct piece, especially the diversifying income portion of it. I don't think a lot of people 
realize that there's so many different ways to, to make money. It's, you know, it doesn't have to be hard or arduous, just find something small and build onto it. So right. uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, especially those of you who are trying to say move to LA or move to New York or Vancouver. That's, mm-hmm. I think it works for, for all of them. So that's, uh, that's fantastic. So thank you for sharing that. I think the, the last question I have before we wrap up is uh, if there's anything I can promote with this episode, uh, anything of yours, maybe a project you're going to do, maybe something you're a fan of, even if it's a charity that you'd like people to give to, is there anything that I can incorporate with this episode? Ah, wow. I love that. Um, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. <clears throat> a charity, I would say um, Wagmore Pets. There's, they are a dog like rescue and re- rehabilitation um, center or like, oh, wow company and I, I don't know it's a nonprofit that's what I was thinking I'm like what are they <laughs> they're a facility <laughs> with dogs <laughs> they rescue dogs and they do so many good things for them and they're always in need of donations and I, I think I donate to them probably more than any other organization and I'm always sharing them on my Instagram story so um they're yeah their uh, Instagram is wagmore pets m-o-r so no e uh, okay Wag, there we yeah go. wagmore pets uh and they're in their venmo is at dogs in need um, and yeah, like I said, I, I have a really soft spot in my heart for dogs and for pets in general, animals in general. So, um, would love to promote that. And then, um, I guess for me personally, like I I'm leveling up my business right now. I've got an online, uh, course that I'm developing right now for teen girls. I make, I told you about the content that I make and I'm developing an online course that I will be, you know, basically helping teenage girls with their mental health, with their physical health and with their emotional health. So. Um, yeah, if anyone listening has a teenage daughter um, and thinks that she could benefit from, you know, developing additional confidence in those areas of her life and knowing that she's capable of like achieving her dreams and really feeling like comfortable in her own skin, I would ask you to just check out my Instagram or my TikTok. Um, it's at Kelsey Marie Edwards, and I will have that course. Uh, we're about to launch our pre-sale page, but um, it should be live. You know, the course itself should be like live and purchasable by like the summer or maybe early fall. So I'm excited about that. Oh, that's so cool. And I'll keep an eye out too. Uh, so when that, that happens and it goes live, we can just spread it as far as we, we can. Um, I have a lot of friends out here who would love to, you know, just support that cause and keep that going. So thank, uh, you. thank you for doing that. That's awesome. Uh, well, I won't take up too much more of your time. There's one more thing I'll have to do before we stop this recording. First, I do want to thank you. I want to thank our listeners. I want to thank everybody for supporting this weird endeavor I decided to just keep going with. Uh, It's been a lot of fun and very rewarding, but my favorite part of each episode is our awkward goodbye. Did you get a chance to to hear this part of those episodes? No, I didn't. Honestly, I I didn't hear this part. That's the right answer. That's what I prefer. (laughs) Then you don't know what's coming. It's perfect. Oh, no. Uh, So have you ever seen the movie Wayne's World? No. Okay. Oh my God, that happens I'm more often than you think. Don't be embarrassed. I like half the people I talk to you. Like, what? What's that? I don't... Well, uh, <laughs> it has nothing to do with this directly, but I'm going to give you a silent countdown. I'm going to count one, two, three. And then when I point to you, give me your best verbal or nonverbal goodbye. Okay. Thank you. Think you can do that? Think you'd be okay. as awkward as possible? Yeah, yeah. If it's not if it's nonverbal though, they're they're not gonna hear it, right? This oh, that makes it even better because then they'll just hear like you moving or something. I don't know what she's doing, but this is very awkward. Okay, okay. But it's up to you. Verbal, nonverbal could be both. I don't know how. Um, retract that. Caffeine kicking in. Anyway, uh <laughs> my brain is just whoa, yeah, it's whoo, just going crazy. It's getting hot. Um, perfect. So let's do this and
Goodbye.